we move on to week three. We've been talking about evangelism, tell someone. We've wanted to really get into the Great Commission as a church because I believe that the biggest things that we can do as a church will be to see the lost come home, to honor the Holy Spirit, to be a place that is family in the best way possible. So talking about the Great Commission, talking about this good news, we've talked about certain things like why should we share it, where should we share it, how could we do this? You know, this idea of you being a street preacher and standing out there, it may not go down that way. We talked about four truths. The fact that when we deliver this gospel to people, a universal thing about people, everyone has an empty place. Everyone is lonely at some point. Everyone feels this guilt because we have this place that we need God's forgiveness. And everyone is afraid of what happens next. Does that not fit in with what I just said about Hurl Yuri? He was not scared of what happened next because he knew Jesus Christ. People need assurance that comes with Jesus Christ. John chapter 4, you have a woman at a well. The well at that time was a place where the ladies would get together. They'd talk about what was going on. And let me tell you, this lady had given them something to talk about. But in that moment, there was a template laid down by Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is not going to ask you to do things that are impossible for you to do. He's going to lay a template out for you. And so Jesus, he goes to this woman, he meets her where she is, and he invades her world. That's what evangelism is about. When I say those things that what builds a church up, it's when we are not about ourselves, but we're about the kingdom. The church, Jesus talks about it going into the whole world. We live in a time where it seems like so many churches talk more about what church not to attend. I'm just going to throw down a little bit and be real. There is a movement now, you can call it the New Reformation Movement, you can call it what it is. But it seems like there are times that we spend more time beating sheep than we do going after those who are lost for the kingdom. I will not stand on this stage and knock what goes on at any church around here. Because that's not what God's called me to do. God forbid this pulpit ever be used for it. But what I will say is this, that there are lost. And I want to be as passionate about going after the lost as I am maybe wanting to criticize someone else. There is power in the blood, and I want to be in a place where I am telling people that good news. So you are to engage people where they are. You're to enter their world. In John chapter 4, Jesus enters the world of this woman who had sought love, had sought relationship time after time, had not been able to fill the void. Jesus finds her. It was an unexpected conversion for people because a lot of people may look at someone and say they're beyond grace. There are times that we can look at people and say someone's beyond grace. I don't believe that Jesus Christ has ever looked at a person and said they are beyond grace. 
Because, see, there are going to be times when people are receptive to receiving the gospel. There's going to be times that they turn you down about the gospel. And there are going to be times that they shock you by believing what you just said. Always be putting it out there. I was talking to my wife. You know, I love Van Gogh. Pat Mervar, you know I love Van Gogh. The sower. You can begin to think that the sower is not very smart when you hear about all the places that he threw seed. As if he was just out there, just not even knowing what he was doing. But when you think about this story, he knew that there was an endless supply of seed. I cannot outgive the gospel. I don't have this limited edition supply, and then it's just all used up, so I need to be real careful who I tell it to. You need to be slinging it everywhere because he knew that not every seed that he threw down would develop into a full plant. But he was going to throw it anyway because what if, what if, what if. And so when you see people, do not ask yourself, are they worthy about this precious seed that I'm about to throw? Throw it. Throw down. 2 Timothy 4.2 says to be instant, in season and out of season. You see so many things now that are instant. You see instant ramen, instant rice, instant Quaker oatmeal. It's not really instant though, is it? It takes a little bit. Paul, in the wording, when you read it in other places, he says to be on duty, duty with a T at all times. Be on duty. I can't even get that out. Are you willing to put yourself out there for the sake of Jesus Christ? Greg Laurie tells a story. How will it look and how will it happen? It's going to happen like this. He said when he was growing up, his mother was married several times and he felt like it was his full-time ministry just to witness to the men that his mother married. He said that there was one man in his life who came in, was this father figure, who his name was Oscar Laurie. He ended up giving Greg his last name, and he loved this man. The man helped him be responsible. He treated him like a son. And one day he came home from school, and he said that the Cadillac was in the driveway, and it was packed, his mom's car. And his mom said, hey, Greg, guess what? We're moving to Hawaii. He's like, yes. Hawaii, he lives in Jersey right now. So he's like, Hawaii, never been there. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. Like, where's dad's stuff? And she said, well, dad's not going. So she takes him. He doesn't see this man for years and years and years. He is slated to go speak at some convention in New York City. And so he decides to look his dad up. His dad had been an attorney, so he was pretty easy to find through the Bar Association. And so he called his office, he contacted him, and the father was ecstatic. And he said, I want you to come over, I want you to hang out with my family, I just, I want to be able to talk to you. And so he was kind of nervous because he hadn't seen him for many years, and he didn't want to mess up anything that this man had going on. And so he goes over for dinner. And when he goes for dinner, this Oscar, he had married this woman who was Italian and she could cook. And so she made this great meal, hence the spaghetti picture. And while they're here eating, she turns to him and she's like, Greg, tell me all about your faith and tell me how you came into ministry. And so he starts telling his story. And he said, while he's telling his story, the dad's just sitting there. This isn't making him nervous. 
Dad didn't say a word. Gives his testimony right there. Afterward, the woman's like, well, that's nice, Greg. On his way to bed, his dad, who has had a heart attack two months earlier, says to him, get up in the morning, let's go for a walk. And so he gets up in the morning. It was New Jersey he was in, but he was living in California at the time. And so, like, it was super early. He's just in this fog. And as he's walking with his dad, his dad said to him, I listened to what you said last night at the table. That was really good. And I want to give my life to Jesus. And he's standing there blown away, and he's like, well, well, he must have misunderstood. (laughs) No, he doesn't really want to give his life to Jesus. So he goes through it again. He's like, yeah, exactly. I want to give my life to Jesus. And he said that right there in the park, his dad gets down on his knees. He's like, okay, I guess I'll get on my knees too. And so he prays with his dad, and his dad, when he gets up, he's like, I have Jesus in my heart now. And he's like, you know what? I can go to my doctor's office. He's right around the corner. He's like, okay. He's like, because I have Jesus in my heart, and I believe that God healed my heart. He had a heart attack. And so Greg's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, like, again, how we get as Christians. Like, easy with the healing talk. Come on. He goes, and his heart had greatly improved when he goes to this doctor's office. See, the how is going to come in those moments when people say, tell me a little bit about. When people out of nowhere ask you, when we say be instant, it means don't over whatever dramatize the moment that it's going to happen. Be real. And in that moment, God will use those things. It blesses me when I read these kinds of things because there are times that I think I just don't measure up when it comes to sowing seed, to sharing the gospel. Sometimes you're going to be the one to sow. Sometimes you're going to be the one to water. And there are times that you will be fortunate enough to harvest in places that you neither planted nor watered. But God will make that intersection where someone will say, I want to know more about this gospel right now. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. It hit me yesterday that if our primary directive is sharing this gospel, why are we doing it in such a sparse manner? Really? I mean, Pastor Nip, if I get laughed out of every restaurant I go to, what's that hurt? You know, like Sister Nip's gone up to people to share her testimony. What if they said, get out of here? Would you go home and be like, I will never share my testimony again? Nope. She'd probably go share it with that same person at the same restaurant the next week. (laughs) She'd probably be like, no, you were probably having a bad day when I came to you last time, so we'll do this again. (laughs) It's true. God wants to use you to reach other people. So there's this story of this man who goes fishing. Jeff, I thought of you with this. And he went fishing for muskie. I'm telling you, I never fished for them. You have, haven't you? It'd pull me right out of the boat, probably. (laughs) I I, I wouldn't even know what to do. So this guy, he's fishing. 
he sees a huge fish and he's casting, casting. Fish is ignoring him. Fish is ignoring him. Guy's about to give up, going back to the dock. Fish comes alongside the boat. You know what the dude does? He puts on gloves and he reaches in and he grabs this fish. It was said to have been the largest fish ever caught if he would have caught it. But you can't just grab them in a boat. That's not catching it, I guess. Seems more exciting to me. But later, a reporter asked him, what were you thinking? And he said, sometimes you just have to be fool enough to go for it. That's how I want to be. Do you realize that in my life, most people that know me and love me look at me like, what's wrong with him? So imagine how strangers are. Why do I care, right? Sometimes you just have to get out there and be crazy enough. John 4, 35, lift up your eyes. The fields are white under harvest, but the laborers are few. If you ever want to determine who are workers within a church, have a dinner. And afterward, you'll see people like, we're out of here. And there stand the few that will put away the tables and vacuum the floors. Very similar, I think, to this. Like, there are many people that are like, yes, I'm all in. And God's like, are you a laborer? And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Look for the opportunities and be fool enough to grab them. You telling the story builds that bridge between where they are and where Jesus is. There are going to be times when I was young. In Leroy, we'd do this thing. We'd get a board, and we'd put it over the ditch, and we'd make a bridge. Hey, it's a bridge. And before long, we'd dare each other to ride our bikes over it. (laughs) Good times. There are other times, show me this. It may feel like that one, that bridge building picture. Do I have one of those? Oh, yeah. There are other times it may feel like this, giving your testimony. Like, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Why? Do you think when you go to heaven that Greg, who got mad at you for bringing up the gospel, is going to be the one you stand before? Nope. But the God that I serve is going to ask me, what did you do with that bag of seed that I gave you? And I want to be like, I tried to get to the bottom of it. I threw it everywhere. You know, that wording right there, is the key to your testimony. Those two words, you know? When Paul would stand before people, the guy was this great speaker. He was incredibly smart. He was trained. But so many times when he stood before someone else, he would give his testimony. It's important for you to be able to use those words, you know. People say, well, you were probably raised in church. You're probably perfect. Well, you know... That's what begins to tell the God story. Be willing to find the you know in things. Paul said, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. It's 1 Corinthians 9.22. Your story is worth sharing. Your story needs to be shared because when people think of church, a lot of people have the wrong idea about it. But when you let them know, yeah, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus. 
And you seem incredibly normal, people think sometimes. They need to hear what goes into it. When it comes to witnessing, tell people what God has done for you. The best way. Here's some things. Just let me throw it out there. I don't know what to do. Here's a pro tip. Number one, do not exaggerate your past. You ever hear people and like their testimony is like they were Genghis Khan? And you're like, whoa, whoa. My wife often says, you know what her testimony is? That God kept her from everything. Do you think she should be ashamed to share that? What kind of bad stuff did you do? Well, God protected me from most of it. That's boring. Get out of here. (laughs) No, share it. Share it. If your testimony is of God healing you, then throw that out there. It matters and someone needs to hear it. The next thing, well, I don't even know. I messed my notes all Give me the slide, Jaden. That'll tell me. Accuracy and honesty are important. <laughs> don't have the kind of testimony that in five years has morphed. Like it's some ongoing play that you're writing, right? <laughs> when you give your testimony, let it be true. Don't be like, yeah, I really got a reaction when I was talking about that time that whatever, I was a pro arm wrestler, so I better, I better double down on that part. You're like, you weren't a pro arm wrestler. I'm like, yeah, but, but it sounds good. It's good testimony. Be honest in what you do. Don't be the kind of person who puts out there nonsense that will not bring them to Christ. Here's one I love. Don't boast about what you gave up for God. Boast about what he gave up for you. Oh, I love this. Right? You ever hear people and you're like, I was living the best life. I was partying. I was a jet setter. Like Las Vegas was my kingdom. And then I came to Jesus. (laughs) Yeah? (laughs) Great. Yeah, I want to know more about this Jesus. It's almost like we get this soapbox to say all of the things that we've given up in order to be a Christian. Don't do that. Because here's the truth. You know what you really gave up? Guilt. Trying to fill a void. How about this one? Hell. What did God give you? He gave you a purpose. He gave you relief from the guilt. He gave you a certainty, just like I said about Hurl in the beginning, that you will see heaven and Jesus Christ when you leave this life. Oh, man. I'm just thinking about that guy pulling that muskie in the boat, Jeff. I mean, I just I keep going back. As we bring the gospel, we need to speak in a language that people understand. There is this term called Christianese. Don't speak in Christianese. If someone does not know Jesus, probably walking up to them and being like, have you repented? Are you sanctified? Have you been justified? They'll be like, what? Speak their language. Oh my gosh, you're broken. I know someone who can help with that. There have, you know, there have been times that I've been broken. Let me tell you. 
and Jesus put those pieces back together. See, we lived in a time of cultural Christianity in America. This was a time when it seemed like so many things revolved around the church were past that age, where it was like Christianity, Judeo-Christian ethics, they were the things that made decisions. We're not really there anymore as we've progressed as a nation. We've gotten away from those things. There was a time when a person might approach someone else with the gospel and that person would say, I already know Jesus, I'm already a Christian. But now people aren't afraid to tell you whatever wild things they believe. But one thing I read that is a good thing about the passing of cultural Christianity is that there were many people who believed they were Christians simply because they sat in the same boat with other Christians. We're at a time now where know what you believe and stand in it. Know what you believe and be willing to go out there for it. Romans 1.16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. I will say it and say it again. That's what this is about. That is what this is about. That gospel, it's filled with power. You don't need to add to it. You don't need to take away from it. You don't need to apologize for it. You just need to proclaim it and let God do the rest. On a regular basis, do those things. Don't underestimate it. It will never lose its power. I have heard this quote, that the smallest deed is greater than the grandest intention. Don't make a list of who you're going to witness to. Do it. Going to close. In Acts chapter 17, this man named Paul goes to a city named Athens. At the time, it was the cultural center of the world. Philosophers and poets would go there. They would sit in the city square and they would philosophize, I guess. I don't even know if that's a word, but it sounds good. And they would come up with these things. They would worship false gods. You name it, everywhere you turn, there was some shrine or idol to a false god. Just in case they missed any, they put up one to represent the unknown god. So Paul goes to this place where they meet, standing there proclaiming Jesus Christ to these people. During that time, there were two main schools of thought. There were the Epicureans and there were the Stoics. The Epicureans, it's a term we use today to define someone who loves pleasure. We eat, we drink, tomorrow we die. The Stoics, on the other hand, they believed that God was everywhere. God's in the tree. God's in the carpet. God's everywhere. Very new agey. And there's a saying that the more things change, the more they stay the same. One of the largest identifying groups of belief in this nation are the nuns, not the nuns like the Catholics, the nuns like N-O-N-E, none. And it's this idea that there's something out there, but we just can't put our finger on it. So they don't. And so you wonder, how do we talk to people who have little to no faith? just like Paul would. And it's putting yourself in position to be uncomfortable. 
Do you think when he was talking about Jesus, can't you just see him taking notes? What did he say? Jesus? How do you even spell that? Okay, yeah. And Jesus did what? You're going to encounter people like that. But can you say, I know what I know? Because when it comes to your testimony, people will argue when you get preachy with them. But what they can argue is your experience. Voice your experience and voice it framed up in Jesus Christ often. So we look at this with these religious groups and different things that go on. Paul reached them with that gospel. It got there. It started this worldwide revolution. He built that bridge. He was accurate with his story. He didn't exaggerate. He told them about what God had given up for him. And so today as we end this, here's my challenge to you, church. Mark 16, 15, he said to them, them, them. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. The challenge for this week is for you to tell someone. See, we've done this for a few weeks. And I'm not going to do, let's show hands. How many people have, that's weird. But I'm not doing this as an exercise in futility. I'm doing this as something that this church will grow and it's going to grow when we see the lost coming in. Bottom line. So this week, I urge you to look with Jesus' eyes on whoever you come upon. I urge you to throw out that, you know, I urge you not to care if they shoot you down for it. It'll build character. And someone will respond. And so if you'll stand. I'd like to thank you for being with us today. I'd like to thank you for your patience. I'd like to thank you for all of the people who helped orchestrate and get this traffic jam unjammed. We're going to pray. Here's what I ask. God, make me a soul winner. Speak those words. God, put me out there for you. Let's pray. Father, right now, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together as a church family. And Lord, I pray for opportunity to come after us, but I pray for us to seek it out. Be fool enough to go after it. And Lord, I pray for every empty seat that is here that is going to have someone who did not know you five minutes ago coming in here to sit down. Let us love them well. Let us be the family that this world is looking for. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.